This meeting is being recorded. Yes, it is. Good morning, everybody. Today is Sunday, February 6th, 2022. You are watching or listening to another edition of Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock. And good morning, everybody. I'm Steve Hunt. And we thank those of you who happen to be watching this podcast on our YouTube channel, which is eponymously called Forward Maryland with no space between the forward and the Maryland. And Steve, uh, I note that in the last several months, our, our YouTube subscriber, and we do encourage everybody out there in viewer and listener land to go to our YouTube channel like, and of course, subscribe. Uh, Steve, in the last few months, our subscriber number has has increased by 50%. Uh, after this podcast was ridiculed by a noted balloon animal maker in Howard County uh, for only having 22 YouTube subscribers, uh, they we now boast 33 YouTube subscribers an increase of the aforementioned 50%. Steve, I don't know, but, you know, to me, YouTube subscribers, uh, I, the balloon balloon animal maker, I mean, opened my world to um, YouTube subscribers because, you know, the water is clearer, the air is sweeter, the sun shines more brightly. How have the increase in the number of YouTube subscribers to this podcast changed your life? Well, in the words of, and I love referring to this movie because it has so many good, good quotes. In the words of my man and Jerry McGuire, it completes me. YouTube subscribers, you complete me. I don't know of a better, I don't know of a better commercial. I don't know of a better reason why anyone would want to subscribe to this YouTube podcast going to our YouTube channel other than to complete Steve. There I it mean, is. You, you know, cannot I, have an incomplete Steve Hunt. That is deleterious to the composition of Central Maryland. Absolutely. But it all seriousness, you know, hey, if we had three subscribers, it would be awesome. I mean. You know, no, no one gives a crap about how many YouTube subscribers you have. I guess when you're a zero and when nobody pays attention to you, that you just feel you need to write stupid nonsense on Facebook yeah. and, and have stupid groups do and say stupid things to advocate stupid points of view. In other words, just generally conduct your life in a stupid manner. Uh, I, I guess that that's okay. But for, you know, 99.99% of humanity, uh, you know, people are, are fairly intelligent, um, you know, well, maybe not 99.99%. So, you know, who really get, cares how many YouTube subscribers anyone has? So, yeah. Yeah. but please subscribe. It's important, I guess. Yeah. Join, join the party. Steve, it's February. And now and it's time to unveil our February top 10 gubernatorial rankings. Now, I believe last time I let off, we're going to go in a snake fantasy football draft fashion as we did go. last time, except there's only two of us. So that's kind of a boring fantasy football draft 
although the teams we could put together yeah. uh, and the waiver wire would be intense. <laughs> so, Steve, who do you have at number 10? Uh, at number 10, I have a for, former, excuse me, um, Anne Arundel County Executive, uh, amongst other things, Laura Newman. Um, you know, it, it, it is really hard to make a call as far as putting her anywhere but number 10 because she's relatively new to the race. Hasn't really had time to get the campaign rolling along, you know, raising money. I mean, you know, the, the numbers came out from last year. Well, she wasn't around effectively for last year to have any sort of fundraising numbers. Um, you know, be interested to see how things develop in the next couple of months um, as far as fundraising and any momentum she may gain. I don't believe she's has a uh, lieutenant governor candidate or a running mate yet. Um, so for now, I leave her at 10 and with a, you know, we shall see how it goes from here. Well, very interesting. And, and Steve, I will say before I kick off my uh, top, my, my top 10 with my number 10, that at this point, and with only weeks to go to the filing deadline, if you're not making it onto our list, why are you even running? Because you got no chance, humanoid. You just don't. <laughs> uh, I do believe that in the recent weeks, uh, Michael Steele did come out and say that he is not a candidate for governor of Maryland. So yep. he's gone. But if you're a John Barron, if you're a Robin Ficker, and you're still campaigning to be the governor of Maryland, why? Because yeah. when you look over this list of 10, and I'm going to guess Steve and I have the same 10 in different places, maybe, uh, that, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of mountains to climb, and there's a lot of hills to get over before you can win. So at this point, if you're a Ficker, if you're a Baron, just, I don't know, switch your focus, find a county council or, or state legislative spot to run for, start up a pack, do mm -hmm. something, but don't run for governor because you got no hope. Yeah. Uh, my number 10 is friend of the podcast and guest on the podcast, former Obama administration official Ashwani Jane. I wanted to make Ashwani hire. I was very impressed by his interview with us. Uh, but I'm looking at this list above. And I mean, you know, there are a number of political heavyweights in the state of Maryland. I mean, you know, Dan Cox is a lightweight, but intellectually, maybe not politically. Um, you know, there are a number of, of heavyweights ahead of him. I, I just can't, I just could not, could not bring myself to, to put him in any higher than the bottom of the list. Now at number nine, I do have the former Anne Arundel County Executive and Howard County Economic Development Authority, Ed, Laura Newman. Uh, mm -hmm. I was very impressed with her campaign finance uh, prowess, over $100,000 raised in the six days uh, between when she announced and the uh, first filing deadline. Uh, mm -hmm. So it definitely sounds like she has some reach to some deep pockets. And um, I'm looking for more for her to come. And if we were to, to draw arrows on, uh, on these charts, I would, I would definitely have Laura Newman's arrow pointed up. Steve, who you got? Uh, actually, at number nine, I have the, and this is one where we, we have them in different places, but in the same area of, of the top 10, I, I do have uh, Mr. Jane, 
at number nine. I was very impressed with, um, you know, what I heard from him on our podcast. The one thing that struck me was, you know, a lot of politicians come on and they'll talk about their plans and what they want to do. And, and they may touch on how, you know, they're going to do it and, and all of that. You know, uh, Ashwani Jane, you know, he, he said multiple times on our podcast, all cards on the table, open book, full disclosure. And he was true to that. His website is true to that. And he was as well. And I think you said it best, Bill. If he doesn't ultimately become the next governor of the great state of Maryland, whoever does become that individual, if they are a Democrat, um, that guy should have a job in that administration. He, he definitely is uh, somebody on the rise politically. Uh, you know, he did well the last time he ran for office in Montgomery County. Um, very, very interesting individual. Um, you're right. A lot of heavyweights up there. It, it's going to be hard for him to break through, especially with this concept that he's using to, to power his campaign. But um, I keep him on the list because I think he's he's somebody that should be heard from and needs to be heard from um, in terms of what he brings to the table. So Ashwati Jane was my number nine. Who you have now at number eight, Steve? All right, number eight actually is a drop for me, um, oh. and it's less. It is less about what he's done or hasn't done, but what those who I have above him have done. And so, my number eight is John King, a former, I believe, education uh, secretary, Obama administration official. Um, you know, I, I still see him as somebody who has as good a chance as anybody once we get deeper to the campaign to, to break through, um, you know, to catch lightning in a bottle as it were. Uh, but the momentum that he seemed to have uh, seems to be slowing a bit. I mean, he did have a good fundraising report. I think I'm, I'm looking at, you know, two and a half million raise. He's got one, 1 1.2 in cash, give or take. So he certainly has the money to keep going, but, uh, and, and, and again, you know, I could put my, six, seven, eight, maybe even five in a bucket um, as we go along. But uh, at this point, I have King at number eight. Steve, I don't know if the viewers at home, you probably did see me uh, scribble and uh, change a, uh, a, um, uh, a name in the last few minutes. And <laughs> I actually did flip over my seven and eight. And in number eight, I too have John King. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm even, I'm, I even consider dropping him out of the top ten. Um, <laughs> but I, I am impressed with the fundraising. Um, so I have to stay consistent with the fundraising. However, um, it does seem that the enthusiasm has cooled. Um, much of the enthusiasm for King, I think, is going to another first-time candidate who also happens to be a very academically focused African-American who will appear later in the list. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, there, you know, there's a lane there, and right now, John King's not the one occupying it. So, so yep. he's in at number eight. Uh, and yes, I also agree that there is about a hair's worth of difference between my eight and my seven. Um, and number seven is former DNC chair, labor secretary, and Montgomery County Council member Tom Perez, who um, all, you know who seems to be um, you know you know who got the uh, Nancy Pelosi endorsement 
yep. as if Nancy Pelosi's endorsement in Maryland means anything. Yes, I know she's Tommy Delisandro, the elder's <laughs> daughter, but I'm I'm not sure that carries any weight in Maryland politics anymore. Um, but um, you know, he's you know, he he seems to be seems to have seems to be adopting a little bit more of a tortoise approach mm-hmm. uh, to this race. And, you know, as opposed to others, and I just mentioned about people who don't have a lane, he does have a lane. Um, you know, I, I think Jane is, is kind of in the same lane as Perez as mm-hmm. having a lot of federal experience and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and also being a, uh, a person from a minority community. So Perez in at seven for me, Steve. How about you? Well, um, I also have Tom Perez at number seven. And, you know, I, I again, my my eight, seven, six, five, you know, I, I had to throw them in a pot a couple of times. I even, you know, scratched a few things out, you know, before we went on the on the air this morning. Um, you know, Perez has done a lot of good things lately. Uh, he certainly is in the mix. Um, you know, he had a good fundraising number. I think it was uh, 2.7 in. He's got 1.4 million in cash, um, the numbers that I saw online. He also did announce a lieutenant governor uh, running mate, um, a former Baltimore City Council member, Sneed. Uh, so, you know, he has taken the uh, I'm going to touch Baltimore approach, whereas you've seen others who have kind of kept the D.C. metro area. But uh, he he definitely is tapping into that Baltimore market with that um uh, pick. Uh, uh, also, the the Pelosi endorsement. Uh, I don't know how much weight that carries, but it's a name you could put out there that people recognize. Uh, the other thing about Sneed is um, I was reading an article, and apparently uh, Sneed's uh, in-law, I believe mother-in-law, is from Prince George's County. So you do have a, you know, you have a Montgomery County candidate and a running mate from Baltimore County who has connections into Prince George's County who is an African-American woman. So there, there's a lot there that, that Perez is putting together that, uh, you, you know, I, I left him at seven, but it could be with an arrow up. I, I think that he's got the money to run. I think he made a smart decision geographically um, and otherwise um, as far as his running mate. So I keep an eye on him, but uh, for now, seven is, is about where I've got him. As I continue to contemplate the very poor wardrobe choice to wear a mock turtleneck this morning, Steve, where are you at at number six? Uh, number six actually trending down a little bit, and and I almost considered putting him further down, but I, I there's enough there that I think I could leave him as high as six, and that is former uh, Prince George's County Executive Rashawn Baker. Um, you know, I know he's using the uh, Citizens Elections Fund, but the fact of the matter is he raised very little money. He's got very little money on hand. Uh, and at some point, you know, you're going to run a statewide race. You got to have some cash. Now, uh, my understanding is uh, he is trending towards maybe having around a million bucks in matching um, based on on how the public financing works. That certainly would help. But even at that, um, as far as I mean, he would still be far behind some other candidates. So you just got to wonder, here's somebody who is one, uh, you know, county executive of Prince George's County where there is, you know, people don't know the kind of money that actually is in there, especially within, you know, there's a lot of affluent African-American uh, communities there. Uh, so there is money to be had out of Prince George's County. Um, uh, you know, 
he's won there. He he's run for governor, so he's got to have a donor list. So either all of his donors were corporate that he can't touch now, or I don't know what it is, but that that number was striking that he was not able to raise a lot of money. Um, so I dropped him to six. I won't drop him any further, but you know, if Perez or King starts making a move, um, you know, he, he is, we talked about arrows in my mind, Baker is right now trending down. Well, well, that might be the first stark difference between us, Steve. It might be the only one, but I'm not, I'm not there with Baker. I, I have him on the list, but he is not my number six. He's higher, okay. but okay. number six, I have Wes Moore. Uh -huh. uh, again, uh, you know, the, the highest ranked of the first time uh, candidates who are in the race. And when I mean first time, <clears throat> I mean, first time running for, for anything, as long as John King. And I do put Ashwani Jane in that category, even though he ran mm -hmm. for a Montgomery County Council seat last in 2018. Um, but, um, you know, he's 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 been at about level. Uh, I'm, you know, like, uh, as you mentioned with, uh, Tom Perez's, um, uh, naming of Shannon Sneed as his Lieutenant governor candidate, very impressed by Moore's, um, Lieutenant governor candidate, Aruna Miller. I mentioned that earlier, uh, on the last month's episode as well. Um, but you know, he did a good job with fundraising. He has shown the legs to get there. Um, but you know, as with I mentioned with Jane at 10, there are some known Maryland political heavyweights and some known quantities above him. So we have yet to see his ability to break through that. So until I see that or until some of the others ahead of him give me reason to drop him down or drop them down, I can't see myself uh, bringing myself to, to put him up any higher. Rounding out the bottom of the top five, um, former Labor and former Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz. Um, huh? I do not see, I have not seen in my perception a wonderful month for the sec former secretary. And I'll tell you why I don't see that. Because mm -hmm. uh, earlier this week, um, Kelly Schultz came out with you know, a, a, some very interesting um, structural items uh, in that she changed her job on her Facebook profile to candidate for governor. Uh, she changed her profile picture. She did a few other things that was it to keep it fresh or was it to rebrand or was it to remind people of her brand? If you have to rebrand, Things might not be going all that great. There is a lot of excitement in the rank and file Democrat or Republican Party for Dan Cox. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people such as the former uh, two-time Republican nominee Ellen Sauerbrey are head over heels for Dan Cox. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people who like Dan Cox, and as been shown. Even though Larry Hogan is an extremely popular governor, as high as 74% approval rating in a, in a poll earlier this year, he doesn't have long coattails. He doesn't have coattails at all. Yep. So uh, I think this is a problem that continues 
to follow Court Kelly Schultz around. She's not getting what she deserves. She is an extremely qualified candidate, in my view, the best of the Republican lot by far. Uh, and she deserves to be better than number five. But mm -hmm. as Bill Parcells said, Steve, your record are who you say you are. <laughs> and and your record, you know, and uh, and right now she's at number five. Where how do you end up your how do you start your top five? Uh, my top five actually starts out with the aforementioned by you, Wes Moore. Um you know, as Bill Parcells, as you noted, said, you are, your record says you are. Well, his record says he raised damn near $5 million. That is a, an eye-popping, attention-getting number. Um, and he's got uh, roughly $2.5 million in cash. Now, obviously, that means he's been burning a whole lot of cash to raise a lot of cash. But he still has far and away the most money in the bank of anybody not named, well, the person who I think we're going to agree is still the heavyweight champion in this little uh, uh, WBC WBA ranking here for the state of Maryland. Um, numbers don't lie. And that number got my attention uh, along with the fact that he, he's got the structure to get this done. Um, you and I both agree that he made a heck of a pick for Lieutenant governor. Um, there's, uh, there's, you can't say enough. He, he may have the smartest pick of the bunch. Um, at this point, as far as who he picked as his running mate. And, you know, I look at Wes Moore and he he strikes me as the, the, the type of person who could get ahead of steam and just roll through this whole thing out of nowhere. And you're wondering in July, how the hell did he just do this? Uh, there, there's just there's just a lot there. Um, you know, if some other candidates, especially candidates of color, start falling off, I can see a lot of support from those individuals uh, in terms of supporters, organizations, and others going to Westmore if they, you know, feel like other candidates of color really don't have a chance at it, so they all coalesce behind a Westmore. Um, so, so there, there's a lot there, and he's got a lot of money to get a message out and try to bring people into his tent. So, I have him at number five. Um, you know, like I said, you know, if you look at my certainly my five through eight, definitely my five six. Um, you know, I could have went. A lot of different ways, but for now, we'll stay there. So Westmore at number five. And who are you? And who? Where are you at number four, Steve? Uh, well, number four would be Kelly Schultz. Um, and, and I agree with you. And you know, I I came very close to uh, <laughs> uh, dropping her back, but I, I think when you're looking at you know that position, um, you know. I, I will still leave her there, um, but you're right. The arrow is going down, and you know this is one where money don't matter. Uh, you know she certainly has a lot more money than than her opponent in the Republican primary, but I don't think that means a hill of beans. Um, I think there's there's enough grassroots power uh, that makes up for cash in a, in a heartbeat, and there's just you said it all you know perfectly. It, it, where is the there there with Ms. Schultz? I don't know where it is. Um, what is her case? You know, how is she going to convince the primary electorate that, you know, she should be the standard bearer? Um, can she make a, a good enough case against uh, Delegate Cox that, look, this guy has no chance. If you want us to hold on to this seat for the third straight time, I'm it. 
I don't, you know, to me, that seems to be her only case that if you nominate Dan Cox, he's going to get blown out and you're going to get nothing. So if you want something, roll with me. It's not the world's most compelling case to elect somebody. So, uh, yeah, I, I've got her at number four. Um, I could bump her down further. You probably talked me into that. But for now, I'll leave her at four. We'll see if maybe this rebrand and relaunch or what they call it, resets gets her campaign somewhere. Yeah, yeah it's a valid strategy if, if the <clears throat> other party is throwing out a, uh, you know, a wild-eyed fool. And yeah. it doesn't seem to me that any of the three Democrats I still have among my top four fall into the category of a wild-eyed fool. Yeah. So at number four, I have Rush Baker. Okay. So I, I, I understand and I hear the argument about the financing, and financing is important. Uh, but I will remember this from the 20, this tableau from the 2018 campaign, which was when Seemingly overnight, Columbia was awash in Rashern Baker for governor signs as yeah. the Team 13 crew, you know, yeah. took to the streets to put up Rush Baker signs. I don't see anybody in this field who is in, and the, the legislative leadership fell behind Rush Baker for, yeah. for governor. I don't see anybody in this field who's going to get that, um, Who's going to get that again? Again, yeah. the the second uh, vote getter uh, in in 2018's primary election that certainly has to count for something. Um, yeah. You know, is Westmore a Ben jealous? <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, but uh, but he certainly uh, and and I think he's not. One thing is he certainly has uh, more charisma, and I think more drive and just simply desire to be the governor of the state of Maryland than the aforementioned Mr. Jealous did. So, you know, I, I see Westmore. I, I see him coming up. I, I see him doing things. Uh, and next month may prove a different story. But right now I'm still going for the old gun. And and so I have Baker at four. My top ranked were, you looked like you had a retort. No, just a quick point, and, and I think you've got to, uh, you know, just to, to, you know, play off of one of your, your points there about Baker and Howard County, um, the one person I could see siphoning into that would be Wes Moore, which um, could spell some trouble for a Rush Baker. But I, I certainly understand him at number four, um, you know, because of his you know, track record, uh, you know, here in Howard County throughout the state in previous elections. So, but... Uh, excellent point on Howard County, and I think the one person that could break into that would be Wes Moore. Um, there, there are some people I could, I'm hearing from already in Howard County who are not electeds, but others who are pumping up Mr. Moore. So, just at a side note. Three, there. Mm -hmm. At number three is my still my top-rated Republican. He had been as high as number two, but now he's number three. Uh, for Frederick County Delegate Dan Cox. Mm -hmm. um, his, his, you know, um, machine gun selling July, January 6th bus filling Trump endorsing love himself. Uh, and, and what else do I need to say? Um, you know, I was greeted this morning to a friend's Facebook post about 
something Cox's uh, lieutenant governor candidate said about public schools and, um, you know, the poor, uh, you know, the words public schools were capitalized all through this little screed that this lady wrote. Um, it was all about, you know, dictating what the students of what the children of Maryland learn. And it, it was a mess. And, uh, you know, this is the, uh, the highest rated and many polls are showing uh, most likely person to represent the Republican Party at the lieutenant governor level in the Maryland general election in 2022. That's kind of it's kind of pathetic. Uh, but here we are. There they are. And such. So it goes. So Cox at number three. Steve, why don't, who's your number three? And why don't, why don't we just take it? Why don't we just take your, your top three? Just go from three and go all the way through to, go all the way through to, oh, you know what? You do three and then I'll do my two and then you do your two and, um, hey, you know what? I'll do my two and one and then you, you finish. Because I finished okay. last time. Okay. We're, we're, we're programming on the fly here, folks. <laughs> This is how we roll. But my number three is Delegate Chris Cox. And the the Dan Cox. Dan Cox, I don't know. I, I try not to think about the guy, okay? Um Chris Cox, Dan Cox. No, I won't go there. Um you know, it, it, it's funny. Everything you just said about his running mate and the posts and the mess that it is is everything that you need to know about today's Republican Party, both in the state of Maryland and nationwide. Because while you and I can have the same opinion about that post, and I think we would both condemn it, ridicule it, whatever, the base of the Republican Party will eat that mess up. I mean, it is, it is messy, it is foul, it is pick a word, any word, but it's red meat for the base. And it's exactly what they want to hear. It is everything they want in this party, in these candidates. Um, you know, the fact that Chris, uh, Dan Cox, okay, I'll, I'll, I promise I'll at least say his name right. Delegate Cox, you know, chartered a bus or was involved in a bus or whatever it was as far as January 6th, you know, the, he's going to get support for that because those people who will vote for him probably think it is, was it legitimate political discourse is a new term in the uh, Republican National Committee? Um, they're going to love that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, do you, you know, a guy who doesn't have to raise a lot of money, who doesn't have to spend a lot of money, uh, powered by a, a base that wants that kind of individual, yeah, I mean, he's got to be number three on this list because as of right now, he has a 50-50 shot at being the next governor of the state of Maryland as the front runner for the nomination on the Republican side. It is what it is. And, you know, we're going to have to deal with this, I think, for another, what, nine months? Because <laughs> uh, he, he, he's going to be that, 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 that candidate. So I'll turn it over to you for your top two, which I think I'm, I'm getting a feeling that we're uh, back in line here. As far as uh, I, I think we are, paper. I think we are, and so I won't spend much time on it. But I, I did pull up while you were talking about Delegate Cox, 
Gordana Schifinelli's uh, recent Facebook post where, and, and Ms. Schifinelli is the aforementioned Lieutenant Governor candidate for Mr. Cox, right. where she mentions, it was brought to my attention that Maryland middle and high schools, high schools, capitalized HS, use CNN every week as a primary source of information and authority in history class, homerooms, U.S. government, etc., political activism, activism capitalized, and children's indoctrination is real and very harmful. Okay, so here comes there. The uh, there was no connection between those first two sentences. Yeah. Here comes the CRT argument, basically. I mean, that, that when you start talking indoctrination, you, you just know what the next post is going to be or the one after that. It's and, coming. And, and, and then this gets better. In most public schools, again, public schools capitalized, in Maryland, the children are not taught formal and informal logic. The words formal, informal, and logic are capitalized. What exactly is informal logic? And for that matter, what is formal logic? I'm simply aware of logic. Yeah. Well, the all caps are straight out of the Mar-a-Lago playbook, so you have that. So there, there you go. Yeah. I, 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 I skip down. The children cannot determine logical fallacies, spelled as if the word were fallacies. I'm... I had, a, I had something to say, but I left it alone. If they don't know what they are. The children cannot catch arguments ad hominem or red herrings spelled hearings if they don't know what that is. If they don't know what what is. And arguments ad hominem mean arguments that are pointed towards a specific person. Like if I said, Steve, you ugly. That's ad hominem. I said, you said, Bill, you got a big nose. That's ad hominem. I, I, what is going on? I guess they're going ad nauseum. I, I don't know. I don't, don't, don't read any more of that. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm done. I'm done. No, I'm, I'm done. still over this. Anyway. Anyway, the fallacies needed to be exposed, Dave. Congratulations, Maryland Republican Party, or something. <laughs> yeah. Just remember that when Alan Kittleman's out there stumping in, in Clemens Crossing and River Hill and the mm -hmm. Reservoir area and Elkridge. Remember, that's, that's what he represents. Yep. Anyway, my top two. Former Attorney General and friend of the podcast, Doug Gansler at number two, um, could have put Doug down further. Uh, probably would have put Doug down further had Doug not been on the podcast. And that's not favoritism. That is indicative of the thoughtful, complete, thorough responses that he gave during our podcast. Um, a concern remains for me, the amount of money he's raised. Mm -hmm. uh, if you remember, that was a question that was asked during the podcast. 
and he seemed to be uh, ready and willing and able to go the distance regardless of how much money was raised. Um, so we will see what happens there. But, um, you know, if it were Gensler Cox, oh, I think, you know, again, Steve, getting back to my point about wild-eyed opposition on the blue side, um, you know, uh, Gensler, I think, speaks to mainstream Maryland, uh, as does the number one candidate. So uh, I think Mr. Cox, um, you know, takes a dirt nap uh, under that scenario. And then the number one candidate remains Maryland Comptroller Peter Francho. Um, as said before, uh, the king of the hill is the king of the hill until somebody comes to knock him off. Mm-hmm. Nobody has knocked him off. Um, you know, um, I've had the opportunity to, to listen to some uh, statements by his running mate, Monique Anderson Walker, the Prince George's County Councilwoman. Um, you know, uh, very a wonderful woman who I think uh, will will uh, uh, you know could acquit herself well as our lieutenant governor, um, and and I understand um, much more than I did a month ago the choice. So um, you know, Francho Gansler, Francho Gansler still one two in my book. Who you got? Uh, well, I have the same one too. Uh, so uh, we are definitely in agreement there. You know, uh, Gansler, same concerns that I have. You know, you know, he he his answer during the podcast was, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have as much money as the other candidates. And when the numbers came out, boy, was that true. Um, I mean, there's uh, I'm looking at my my list here of just cash on hand, and and the only two uh, in our top ten that have less cash on hand are Rashard Baker and and uh, Dan Cox. So. You know, there you have it, and and the gap between those three and the next group uh, is huge. So that that is certainly a concern. So, you know, he's going to have to get that going very quickly to get his message out and, and get to people. But what I will say is this: um, you know, you obviously it, it was noted on the podcast that we had with uh, uh, Attorney General Gant, former Attorney General Gansler. So no secrets here. You have a longstanding. Uh, relationship with Doug Gansler, you know the guy uh, very, very well. It was my first time interacting with him, and I got to tell you, I was blown away. I mean, you know, he he jokingly said he's not the best looking candidate, and and you know, he, his self deprecating humor is uh is is pretty good. He takes some good shots at himself. He may not look the part, but darn, he sounds the part. I mean, just the way he communicates, because as you know, Bill. Uh, having been involved in campaigns and running for office, sometimes it's about feel. It as much as people joked about, I think it was H. W. Bush who talked about that vision thing, and it's always funny if you do it in a Dana Carvey voice. Um, Gansler's got that. I mean, he's he's got that thing that you can close your eyes and imagine him sitting in the big chair. Um, and the other thing that surprised me about him, and and I won't go on too too long. I mean, I would recommend people watch that podcast if you did not see it to, to just understand what I'm talking about here. I had it all mapped out, not that I'm the genius or anything, but I had it all mapped out what his path was and how he was going to run and what his lane was. You know, it was kind of the, well, if you like all things Francho, but you don't like Francho's relationship with Hogan and this and that and the other, I'm your guy. Uh, he is not a Francho clone. He is much more of a mainstream, dare I say, progressive by the classic definition, not by 
other people's definitions of what progressive is, and that's a whole different conversation, uh, than I thought. Uh, he he is a mainstream Democrat who who certainly has positions that are in line. That if you're part of uh, across the spectrum of the Democratic Party, he's got something that you could say I could work with him on this, or I could work with him on that. Whether it's the environment, whether it's the economy, education. Uh, his passionate response to when he was talking about Baltimore um, and that city and the issues there, but also the potential um, was darn near inspiring. So I, I'm like you, um, I may have had him lower and I, I had him lower in previous rankings, but there's something there. And, and if he can put it together as far as getting a good solid Lieutenant governor running mate, uh, get the money raised, uh, you know, get to the spring where people are really paying attention uh don't write this guy off because he's 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 got that it factor, not just he sounds really cool, but he sounds like a governor, <laughs> quite frankly. He he's got that thing, right? So Bill, I'll, I'll let you jump in there. It looked like you wanted to add to that. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. But I also would say that um Franchise right mean um I'm sorry, Gansler is right now where he wants to be which as if this were a uh, sailing competition, because who doesn't, uh, you know, liken political campaigns to sailing competitions, <laughs> you know, he is tacking behind and to the left of Francho and ahead of the other boats in the water and just waiting for a little bit of a slip up in Francho's rigging or a little bit of an extra gust to uh, overcome, uh, you know, we heard and 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 uh, this is a good plug for the uh, interviews with both Ashwani Jane and Doug Ansler on the YouTube channel, which you should subscribe to, by the way. Um, and, and you know, he there were a couple references to uh, veiled references to Peter Francho's long time in in Maryland politics, age. Um, not out there and said, but definitely inferred, uh, mm -hmm. definitely implied. And um, as, as forums start to happen after the filing deadline, as debates, I'm sure there will be televised debates that will be going on. Uh, this is going to be, you know, more the back and forth between the two. Um, you know, um, the, the, the heaviest glove that anybody can lay upon the former attorney general is, you know, a decision he made when he, while he was running for governor in 2014 to go pull a kid, pull one of his kids out of a party in, in Ocean City where there was a ton of underage drinking. And there was a lot of questioning of his judgment as attorney general as to why is the state's top law enforcement official had an underage drinking party. Why did that happen? Um, you know, and, and I will leave it up for the viewer or listener to decide. I mean, there is a difference between someone's public face and their private face, um, their role as a father, as opposed to a role as a public servant. Um, and you can either buy into that or you don't have to. Um, you know, either either opinion has validity. So, you know, my my take is is that if that's 
if that's the worst thing somebody's got, um, they might need a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, could we see as we're coming down the home stretch a, a Francho, uh, Ansler, perhaps Wes Moore, uh, you know, uh, race? Very possible. You know, mm-hmm. could somebody like a, a Laura Newman, you know, come up on the outside? You know, can Baker, you know, uh, find propulsion uh, through the public campaign mechanism? Also possible. Uh, that's what makes this game so fun. And that's yep. what makes all this all this prognostication interesting because as the months unfold, you know, it'll be cool to look back and see, well, this is what we had right from the get-go. And, ooh, this was a surprise. Yeah, it's it's very far from a done deal. And that, that, that really is uh, the bottom line. I think going into this, a lot of the thinking was uh, there was a presumptive candidate uh, presumptive front runner, presumptive nominee, uh, a, a feeling of inevitability uh, that was out there. Um, and, and that would be all pointing to my number one, by the way, I did not mention that, but that would be former, well, current comptroller, excuse me, uh, Peter Franchot. Um, everything you said is true. Uh, he, he did not raise a bunch of money, but, you know, obviously as a, as a elected official, he cannot he basically has nine months to raise money, uh, give or take, because he can't during the General Assembly uh, uh, or during the uh, Maryland General uh, Session. So, you know, that's that's one thing that he's got you know, to the negative. But because he really hasn't had to do much as far as really ramping up the campaign because he's got name recognition through the roof, uh, he still far away has the most money on hand. So certainly he'll, he's got the money to do what he needs to do when he needs to do it. So that, you know, that's not going to be a problem, even though he can't raise money between now and April, he's got plenty to power him all the way through to the end of the campaign. Um, but again, his name wreck is probably worth as much as the money that other candidates have in the bank. Um, but you're right. It, this is not a done deal. I think there was a lot of thinking that that would be the case, but you know, you talk about Gansler at number two, I, I think, your, your sailing analogy is very well put. Um, you know, he, he, he's got an approach that can not only fend off those candidates who are behind him in our top 10 ranking, but can also go after the number one guy. Uh, he, he, he doesn't have to change his argument depending on who he's in front of. He can use the approach that I saw that he captured during our podcast interview with him works across the board. And that's always a good thing for a candidate that you don't have to say, well, if I go here against this person, I have to say this. If I go here against this person, I have to say that. He can take his approach and just run with it and and run well. So, you know, obviously he's there, but you're right. I mean, you know, Westmore can raise a lot of money and and could jump up as other candidates, you know, start to fall off. Uh, Rashard Baker has Prince George's County. I mean, that's that's a big chunk to have in your pocket uh, going forward, and, and if he raises the money, he's in there. So I, I could go on. You know, per- Perez is somebody who could surprise a lot of people. So, uh, like you, I'm looking forward to it. it it's going to be fun fun times to see where we go, especially once we get out of February. We're past the filing deadline. The races are solidified, both at a state level and a local level. We can really get into based on. These are the people who are in it, who are going after these these different offices. Indeed. Well, we are at 
the end of another fine podcast episode. Steve, I'm not surprised that we had the top 10. Uh, we both had the same people in the top 10. We had a, a little bit of a mix all the way from four to 10. So yeah. that, 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 you know, variety of opinion is what makes politics fun. Oh, and what's what oh, makes yeah. life interesting. And wow, yeah. we differed on, we had different opinions without completely uh, assassinating the other person's character for having an actual different opinion. Wow. We're not going to, I mean, are we going to get hundreds of subscribers with such a collegial, well-thought-out, intelligent podcast? I don't know. It, 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 it's going to be hard. Maybe we, we need to do like some other folks out there and you know start name-calling. I, I don't know. I, I think I like this approach. I'll, I'll stick with our 33 with, with an intelligent conversation where we can have the discourse as opposed to uh, the uh, knife fights uh, that get us you know, 200 followers who want to see a train wreck every week. I'll pass. As opposed to a bunch of trash. God knows yeah. there's enough of that out there. All right, yes, everybody. Sir. We have come to the end of another wonderful edition of Forward Maryland. As always, thank you, Steve. We will be coming at you. You know, I got to perfect this, Steve. Coming at you. <laughs> it looks with good a, on screen. With another episode Next weekend. Oh, it's better with the right hand. <laughs> Coming at you. Oh, that'll go. do it. That'll do it. You know what I feel like? I feel like the uh, the the announcer in Mike Tyson's punch out. Right. Your next opponent, Piston Honda. <laughs> good night. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. <laughs>